I would like to offer you greetings on behalf of the pastors and staff, members of Mission Covenant Church. This message is the last in the series that we have been enjoying from the sixth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul uses a metaphor of soldier's armor to teach us how to prepare ourselves to overcome the world. Paul teaches us to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the footwear of the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith, put on the salvation, put on the helmet of salvation, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then engage in prayer. Put it on as you would an overcoat that covers all things. Over the last several weeks, we have learned how to prepare for battle. And who or what is the enemy? And what is at stake in this fight? I'd like to take a few moments and look back at Ephesians. The sixth chapter. If I can get there. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and I'd like to look at verses 10 and 12, which are just, just before where we pick up for the series. Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, and put on the full armor of God, so that you can take, the st take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. So the simple answer to the question of who, this, who is the enemy that we're preparing ourselves to battle is that it would be the forces of evil and the actions of people serving those forces of evil. Or another way to say it, the devil and the devil's servants. In the world we live in, that is not a very satisfying answer. It may be correct, but it is hard to relate to and hard to apply to our everyday life. What makes this a hard question to answer is that for each person, the same enemy presents itself differently. Artists for thousands of years have tried to portray this conflict between evil and God. Often they portray it as a battle with the forces of evil lined up on one side and the forces of God lined up on the other. The problem with that is that the battle begins in the hearts and minds of people. So even if we happen to be engaged in the larger battles of life, smaller battles are going on in our own lives, even in the secret places of our minds. My greatest desire for this message is to help you understand that what we're talking about is not just something that might be helpful, but that this is the secret to a life worth living and a world worth fighting for. Recently, I had an appointment with my nephrologist. 
a routine post-surgical checkup where about halfway through the appointment, she stopped what we were talking about and she asked me, how do you stay so positive all the time? Now, obviously, I had not come to the appointment with that question in mind. I routinely carry with me my med list. I'm currently taking 28 pills a day. My daily vital signs and charts and questions that I have about changes to my set of symptoms. But not, I'm not usually prepared to answer a question like that. Even though the question caught me by surprise, the answer to the question came pretty easily. I told her that the reason that I was able to be up through so much in my healthcare history was because I no longer had fear. You see, fear is a thief. It robs you of any hope, peace, or joy. Most patient behavior that makes healthcare professionals' life more difficult comes from fear. If we were able to see the devil's letter to the demons of Ephesus, he might write that the demons should arm themselves with the sword of fear. But for me, it no longer matters how much the devil waves that sword of fear in my face because I'm protected by the armor of God. And more than that, there is one that stands between me and fear. And that is God in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to listen to the text for today from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14. This chapter in the Good News according to John is one that I often turn to when I am in the midst of struggle. So listen to these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Let's pause just a moment right there. Did you hear how this started out? It starts out with the phrase, do not let your hearts be troubled. Isn't that what fear is? Is a troubled heart? The Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples to calm their troubled hearts and to trust in the fact that he had prepared for anything that they might face. In this case, a place for them. And that's one of the things that I fear most, given the childhood that I had. I fear being left alone or rejected. But here, we see that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, has already prepared a place for us where we won't be alone. We will be a part of God's family with God's people. 
Then it goes on to tell us how to accomplish this mighty feat. The message that Jesus is giving is that we need to follow and stay close with Jesus. In verse 6, our passage for today, Jesus tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes unto the Father but by him. So, when I face yet another procedure or major surgery, I know that Jesus is the way that I can deal with it. No matter what happens, Jesus has prepared for that. And because Jesus has prepared for that, I can't lose. So there's nothing to fear. And I know that I am free to live my life in the moment, to be present and engaged with the people around me. I've been told several times by the the crew that are in the operating room that they don't expect the patient to be as talkative and involved in what's going on in that room as I am. That's how I handle fear. I trust that the armor of God will protect me and that Jesus has a plan and that I will have a place. Now I recognize that fear is not the only problem in the world, but the solution to all the other problems in the world are the same. John tells us in his first letter, in chapter 5, verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. But it's not automatic. In one of the earlier messages, Pastor Nelson describes the training that a Roman soldier engaged in in order to be ready for battle. It was hard work and required discipline. But it gave a Roman soldier an incredible advantage. In the same way it's not easy to put on the armor of God, it requires discipline and hard work. But it will give you an incredible advantage. I know when I remember to put on the armor of God, I enjoy every moment of my life. Now let's turn to the second question. What is at stake? Let's begin on a personal level. Early in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul contrasts life without Christ to life with Christ. If you turn back with me to the second chapter, we will begin in verse 1. Paul describes life without Christ in these terms. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. You follow the ways of the world, gratifying the cravings of your sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Stop and think about what that means. Gratifying your sinful nature. Most of the things that we engage in along those lines destroy our future, our health, destroy the relationships that we're a part of, and lead to the next thing that Paul talks about. You become objects of wrath, separate from Christ. In other words, alone and without that secure place. Foreigners to the covenants 
and promises. Without hope, without God in the world, far away, separated by the dividing wall of hostility, you become strangers and outsiders. Paul describes the difference that Jesus makes in these, in these contrasting terms as far as for those who live in Christ. You live raised up with Christ, seated with him in the heavenly realms. Imagine finding yourself seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You won't be lonely, and you'll be surrounded by the most interesting creatures of the entire universe. Paul tells us that you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works God prepared in advance for us to do. Often we struggle with the whole concept of meaning in life. But if we live a life where we follow Christ, meaning has been taken care of for us because God has given us things to do. We're brought near through the blood of Christ, reconciled to God through the cross. And we have access to the Father by one spirit. We become fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You contrast these things with the prior alienation from ourselves and from God, and the peace and reconciliation that Jesus brings could not be greater. Now consider with me the effect of life in Christ has on the world. The very concept of civilization has its foundation in people being obedient to God's rules. It would be a truly would be a truly beautiful world, a beautiful thing, if everyone followed God's rules. We would not need locks on our doors. We could trust everyone and believe everything that they said. Imagine how that would change the political environment that we're in today. We would no longer fear rejection because everyone would have our best in their mind. Would we, we would be a part of a community that loves and cares for us as we love and care for others in the community. And we would all agree on the same truth. As I said, that would be a, truly a beautiful thing. How can we accomplish this amazing vision? John tells us in his first chapter, in his first, excuse me, John tells us in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he that believes in Jesus, the Son of God. Believe in Jesus. It changes your life, gives you freedom, peace, and joy. Will you join me in prayer?
God, we are so thankful that you have prepared a place for us and that you are prepared in every way to meet our needs as we are sent out to overcome the world. That you have given us the armor that will protect us from the evil one. That you have given us purpose and a job to do. And God, we do pray that the ministry that we engage in will be fruitful and that this congregation might be blessed as we raise up warriors on your behalf to fight the good fight and bring, apart, bring about that most amazing and beautiful vision of a world at peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.